0: welcome to the beers and miles podcast we talk about beers miles and whatever else we can manage to come off topic with my name is chris and uh welcome back we haven't done this in quite a while but we're back with a beers and miles the elite files episode so uh we have here my my uh sidekick my uh infuriating partner um we have larry (laughs) how are you doing larry
1: good man and uh I don't know what we'll do with this because uh, I'm recording on my end too. We're kind of trying to send shit out for the pod, and uh, I don't know why Chris just put his hand up. I-, I can see everybody. We're recording video. I'm looking oh, at I'm trying it to drink water. Like Sorry. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, okay. You got, oh, you got T Bell or something. Um, but I'm looking at Chris, and he's wearing what looks like a pair of Raycons. We're not sponsored, um, however. You know, if, if you listen to any podcast, you've probably heard the, the Raycon sponsorship. But I am doing well.
0: That's it. That's like, and we have a special guest this week, uh, and and Tyler, Tyler, we are very happy to have you. We actually had you on an earlier episode, and uh, so actually, you actually led this one. You led a Instagram live that I recorded. So I'm really, really excited to have you back on. How are you doing, buddy?
2: Hey, I'm doing great and man, that was uh that was at the beginning of the pandemic, wasn't it? Right when Boston was about to be canceled or you it know, was, all this covid was, stuff happened. That that feels like forever ago.
0: Yeah. It, it was a couple of weeks beforehand and it's crazy that we, like
2: it's still a thing. <laughs> so, I mean, I was it, it's so crazy. I was walking around the French Quarter. I live in New Orleans. I was watching, walking around the French Quarter this past weekend and I saw on a on a building like on a shop that's been closed since the start of this thing that they said by order of mayor cantrell we will be closed as of and it said march 15th and it just blew my mind that we are in august now and this is still going on and it feels like two years ago but it was only five months yeah it just completely just you know as time warp is real Uh,
0: it's insane it's insane and um yeah, before we start this episode, like we do with everything, um, or at least one of us, the Bob beer. So uh, here's the beer for you guys. We have Pilsner Urquell. It's a Czech Pilsner, so we have to put a beer in the Beers of Miles podcast because uh, uh, we always have to have beer in here. Uh, but yeah, we have a Czech Pilsner for this episode. We want to have something a little bit more refreshing because we're back to training, buddy. We're both back to training, and we'll get back to it. We'll get back to into it for all of us. But uh, yeah. Uh so to begin with, let's talk about your story. Tyler, how how did what got you into running?
2: I think it was just the overall feel for the thrill of running. Um when I first started running, I was I think nine years old. My mom remembers that I really wanted to try this um this run called to Grenog and Bach. It was this classical run with like classical musicians playing the entire five K and a and back in Delaware where I'm from and she just remembers how how much fun I had doing it and I just kind of stuck with it there I went to a summer camp in New Hampshire and there's always this four mile run at the end of end of the camp where it'd be a competition between all the campers and staff and I would usually do pretty well for the campers at a young age you know 10 11 12 and by the time I was a counselor there you know at 16 17 18 I'd win the thing and during that time, I was also in high school, running competitively at, at Mount Pleasant High School in Delaware. Um, you know, I had originally gone out for baseball, but I got cut after my freshman year, and then I went to the land of misfits, <laughs> as it is with uh, you know cross country and track and field. They were so welcoming, and I knew I had a little little bit of a knack for running. I wasn't the greatest, but um, I, I went through there, and then I went to uh, college as a walk-on to the University of Delaware. I wasn't too great there. Um, It was just all the thrill of it and the the, the sense of competition. And I think that for the same reason that I like to to go to the gym so much, you know, Tyler runs lifts is my Instagram handle. So there's the combination there um, that both running slash the track and iron slash the gym does not lie. Like you get out of it, what you put into it. And if you can't run, Whatever time you want to run, if if I want to go sub 110 in the half marathon and I don't do it that day, I couldn't do it. There's nothing. Your body wasn't ready for it. The conditions weren't there. But mainly you didn't will yourself enough to go do it. And lifting. If I want to lift, if I want to bench press 315 or do, you know, do the combine, NFL combine for reps 225 and I can't get it off my chest, I can't lift it. The iron does not lie. The track does not lie. Our feet don't lie. I think that's what I love about it because it's it's also about accountability. Like you need to grind, you need to get out there, and you need to do it yourself because no one else can help you.
0: So, when at what point did you start implementing weightlifting into your routine? Was that something that was happening in high school? Was it something that had happened post college? Like when did the lifts part of Tyler Runs lifts become such an integral part of your life?
2: I mean, I guess when I started my Instagram account, because Tyler runs was already taken and I wanted <laughs> to have, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I guess <laughs> I, I, I guess it would go back to, I mean, I didn't really lift too much in high school. Um, and then when I got to college, you know, every campus allows you to have access to the campus gym. And I would go there and I'd lift a little bit. I wouldn't do too much, but then after college, I think it really picked up because um, I kind of got mixed up with some bad stuff after college, and I uh, had a bad injury uh, due to some bad stuff that I did, and um, it just – it hurt my knee to the point where I didn't trust it to run, so what was the next best thing? Be to lift, be to go to the gym and dedicate myself there. So I just put as much effort into – the gym as i did my training and it just kind of stuck like i said earlier that the iron doesn't lie and i love the feeling of progress whether it be me trying to get my bench to a, a higher level whether it be me trying to do reps of something whether it be me trying to get my name up the comp- competitors board you know every gym that i've been to i've loved because it has this competitors board like either you know, the strongman board that I'm never going to get on. You know, I'm not going to be squatting 500. I'm not going to be benching 400 or deadlifting 700. I mean, those are the marks that it has to get on those boards, but they have like an athlete board where you can do the most tire flips you can in five minutes, or you can do the most uh, pushups you can do in a minute or as many sit-ups in a certain amount of time consecutively. And that's what pushes me. And, that kinda of got me there. And then once I fully got back into competitive running at age thirty, so I took eight years off after college. Um, I just kind of continued my drive to want to stay in the gym because it made me feel good. Me so, looking good. Go ahead. So Sorry. was that something that
0: when you when you put that into like weightlifting, was that something like that competitive at, like attitude? Was that something that you had? Already driven into you from running, that just transitioned into weightlifting, or was that kind of something a new fire that was different when it came to weightlifting, and that transitioned over to and even and I guess a secondary question there too was that fire from weightlifting because I kind of want to dig deeper into that transition from like eight, eight years is a long time yeah and eight years is a long time from going from like competitive running at the D one level and and knowing that you had steeple and you did some of these tougher events you did weightlifting for quite a while and you stopped running for eight years and there's not many people can stop running for eight years and come back to competitive running so i would love to hear a little bit more about that transition period of what what's the decision to say let's give us another shot
1: i'm also surprised all right where do we you... <laughs> sorry <laughs> not, not to cut you off to... it's difficult with video recordings uh but um i'm also surprised too like the whole knee injury thing like that you decided just to transition directly into lifting being that that's such a hard sport on your knee so after chris's question i'm kind of curious about that too so i guess let's it's put it this
0: way let's let's say were you always very competitive in that kind of way to begin with and then let's talk about um your like your decision to transition over from like uh transition after the knee injury to go to weightlifting, and then we'll go from that eight years from there all
2: right so um yeah i've i've always been competitive i think almost unfortunately it it kind of drives me into the ground with a lot of things but as soon as the running went away i I knew i needed something in there and i didn't i didn't take up cycling yet uh that's something else i added recently since i moved to new orleans at a age 30 um but the competitive fire was just always there. And, and through lifting, it kind of, once I touched the iron for the first time, which I started benching for the first time, or, you know, I I wasn't squatting. I didn't trust my knee enough. So I would just do upper body stuff. And whether it be benching or military press or things like that, I mean, I hadn't lifted before. So those, just like a runner, an introductory runner is going to, they're going to see immediately progress they're going to say oh my god i can i I never was able to run a mile in eight minutes this feels awesome then 745 is going to come quickly for them next and 730 and so with lifting i was never able to bench 180 i was never able to bench 190 oh my god 200 whoa two plates 225 this is insane like it just drove my competitive fire to the point where i wanted to see how high it could get See how good I could get at it, um, and just to, to to finally meet goals of uh, you know I've always had this idea of six two one ninety for my uh, my ideal height and weight, and right now I'm hovering around my my race weight is you know six two one seventy two, um, but one one ninety just sounded right, um, sounded like yeah to walk around being like a brick shithouse. and uh, you know <laughs> I got to I got to about six two one ninety five, and. I didn't like myself at it. Like I was like, "Hell yeah, I got it done," but I just looked like a goof. So, um I kind of toned it back down. Um sorry for rambling there a no. little bit. I hopefully I didn't uh no, it's a exactly exactly here. asking for.
0: It's I mean, it's 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 a very different kind cuz like I've had quite I asked questions for people that are getting into running and I have a lot of friends that were big weightlifters and after the gym got closed like how do i get into running it's awful and then them transitioning over to that whereas as a long distance runner how often do we see like long distance
2: runners transition into weightlifting? lifting there's very few percent to do it and it's and it, it and it's kind of interesting you just mentioned how y- your friends who go to the gym had felt that uh that hole in their heart after you know during the pandemic when all the gyms closed Um, that was a major, I, I kind of spiraled into a little bit of a depression, um, right after the pandemic because my gym closed and for two months I was, I was without direction. I felt like every day I wake up, I go run, I go to the gym, Mm -hmm. I, I go to work, I go to the gym, I pull two a days. I just do because I would rather be at the gym doing something productive with my time than going back to my destructive waves. Um, and you know, tying back into what got me back into running was the fact that during those eight years, I had tried to cram as much – there was always a piece of me missing. And I tried to fill it with as many other things as I possibly could, whether I tried to do whatever else I might have done, trying to force my way, t- trying to force this piece back into the puzzle that just wouldn't fit. But as soon as I ran that first race, as soon as I ran the, what was it? The Crescent City Classic was my first ever race back in 2017, actually. I got back into competitive running in 2018. But the year before, I just, a 10K down here around Easter, my girlfriend at the time had a charity bib for me. I got it. I set a goal for myself. I, I did like three days of training. I was like, I just want to run sub forty-two. If I go sub forty-two for a ten k, I'll feel amazing. That's my goal. That's my de- determination. Yeah. As soon as I stepped on the line and I went, I crossed that finish line in forty-two o two, and that sparked me. That said, I need to do something. And while I didn't start running competitively in my first big race until the next year, it put it into motion what I wanted to do.
1: Uh- Kind of an unrelated question to the running and, and things that we're talking about but like on a good day right how, how much can you bench
2: oh um i mean are we talking max or reps?
1: yeah let's 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 go with max there's uh, there's a reason behind this question by the way I'm, I'm just curious
2: um i haven't maxed in a long time i will say that right now we're probably looking at 275. um Yeah, I I I'm the ballpark and I'll throw it there. I haven't maxed in a long time though.
1: So Chris, he could probably bench you and I combined plus Gunner, and maybe some extra weight there too. (laughs) So Chris and I both weigh what? I think I weigh one thirty five to one forty, and Chris probably weighs less than I do, and he's taller than I am. So we're both uh, pretty small guys compared to you. (laughs) You can you can love both of us. Yeah. I'm sorry, sometimes like... How long did you have this question? You, you've been kind of just moving along with the pot. I've been like, when can I ask this question? <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, you know, I'm glad I kind of threw it. I'm glad I kind of threw a, a, an idea your way to where I kind of spurned <laughs> that question that's in not, you. That's not the same And problem. I will say, and I will say that, um, oh, what was it? Oh, shoot. It was, I posted this on my Instagram not too long ago. Maybe it was a couple of months ago now. Who knows? Time flies in pandemic. Um... When it was a picture from the start line of the San Antonio Rock and Roll Half Marathon back in December, and it, it, you literally you could not do a Where's Waldo because I stuck out like a gargantuan, oh. um, like you know uh, what is it the the Lilliputans and and Goliath or David or whatever like I literally looked head and shoulders above everyone else, and as soon as I saw that photo, I saw myself and I had to laugh, like it was. Like you gotta say your sizes and, and here I am. I don't think I'm that big, but when I look around at the at a start line and tow it with the other elites or sub elites, like, you know, six two, one seventy five sticks out. I never thought it does, but it really does. Yeah.
0: Oh it, it's it's the Chris Zelensky kind of thing where he's like one eighty and like six five. It's it's very, very different from your typical like uh elite sub elite runner. Like it's so I mean even on a topic like, like <laughs> kind of coming into it. So, like, 42 is a long way. And I have, I'm not going to bury the lead and say what you end, you have ended up running. But, like, 42 minutes in a 10K is a very, very, very long way from where you've actually achieved in the past year. So, where was that moment? Because, like, you had that moment of spark of getting back into running again. But where was that moment when you said, you know, there actually might be something next?
2: Oof. That's a good question. Um I would say the ensuing October um, when I ran my first half marathon. And I wouldn't – you know, I I say I got back into competitive running in 18. And I mean that because Mm -hmm. I don't consider what I've been doing competitive. Like I wasn't to the level where I wanted to be. So – and I don't want to say – I'll just say like I was amateur. I I hate the term hobby jogger because that's just demeaning. Um, I was just a runner at that stage, not elite, not sub elite, whatever it is. I was just running, trying to get myself to where I wanted to be because ultimately I see a lot of people on Instagram and stuff, you know, putting themselves down like, oh, I'm not a runner. I only do 10 minutes. I'm not a runner. Shoot, we're all runners. If you run, if you put two feet in front of each, each other and you go at a brisk pace compared to what you're used to walking, you're a runner. Congratulations. Um, We're all out but, there. Know, back to the exactly. We're out there. We're getting it done. You're pushing yourself. You know. You're grinding just as much as we are. Um, but no, 2017. I uh, another goal ahead for myself. I saw what the the week before I was scheduled to run this half marathon, and I trained a little bit more for. Um, I saw one of my former college teammates. She had run. A one thirty half, and she had continued training after college and got out of it a little bit, but got it back into it. And I was like, I I want to try to be around her. Like, if I could get to, she was one of the best women on our, on our team, and she was hanging with us during workouts in college. So I was like, if I can, if I can go ahead and, and be around that stage, like it would mean that. I am almost back to at some point college shape. I don't know what kind of college shape I would be in, but I'd be around it. So I had a goal of 130. I mean, it wasn't that great, but at, at the same time, it was a lot light years better than I my 42 minute goal for that 10K. Um and I went 128.58. And that set in stone the idea that there's something left. There's a lot more. And I didn't feel that out of shape running that. Um, and it kind of as soon as I cross that finish, I'm like, hey, let's see what we can get, let's see how much we can shave off of this.
1: No, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think 130 is pretty great for a half marathon either. It's fine, Chris. What are we going for for the half this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm shooting really for a
1: 132
0: season, <laughs> but, but even going ahead, and like, yeah, I mean, that's next. So 128 after that 128, I mean, it's still pretty far pretty, pretty far from where you're at today, your PR is now. So once that 128 hit,
2: what sent it to the next level? It was uh, finding a local track group that I could actually train around and, and dedicate myself to. Um, I, I, this is a post I was actually going to maybe put out in a couple weeks if I can try to get the words around it. You know, it's kind of emotional for me. Um, but I still have the introductory text messages, direct messages that I sent to the Power Miler Track Club down here in New Orleans about, hey, I'm going to come out to my first run. Where do you guys meet? Hey, I'm going to come out. And I was, I was really scared to send that message. Like, I was fearful because I didn't want to get laughed at. I didn't want to go out there and just get smoked by all these, like, good local runners because the Power Milers in New Orleans, they're – we're like the Bowerman track club of new Orleans. Like people will look at us and, and people will say, okay, here are the power milers. They're there to fuck shit up. Like we'll out of 10, the top 10 finishers in a local race. If there aren't many other like big time teams there from other parts of the country, like we'll take seven of the top 10 spots. Um, but I got out there and um, I sent that message and I was like, you know what, if I can join this team, if I can train again, and get there and do some workouts. Maybe I can cut some more time off. And that kind of spurred me further.
0: And I've. I mean I've raced against. I've raced against one of your guys I think at uh, Boston. I have some photos with the Power Miler And also I have somebody that I followed. I think even before I followed you. Uh, so I, Audubon runner. Uh, yep. Yeah, I, I've, Grace I've, is a. She's great. Yeah. yeah so like that's it's. It's really interesting to see that, especially as like, I think my story is very much alike with yours as far as like getting back into racing again. And it's filing these elite groups and get building that fire again. Cause it's like, Oh, well, Hey, they're running fast. Uh, I kind of run to run fast too. Let's do it. And then having everybody be on that same level, it's like, Hey, we're kind of going after this, but I mean. When now you have, I mean, you have a 128 at that point. You're 128, Mm -hmm. you're going to PowerMilers group. You're now looking to start running, running, taking running a lot more serious than you were before. Uh, What's that next breakthrough?
2: It would be, um, we're going to go, we're going to fast forward to January of 2018. It was after, I guess a few months of actual training with these folks and I'm pushing myself pretty fucking hard here, man. I, I am, my goal was not to get dropped by these guys <laughs> and, and it was tough off the bat and it kind of led to me getting some niggles and naggles, um, a few minor injuries here and there, nothing like I'm trying to come back from now. Um, but like, and, and that, that was done with me trying to keep up at the stage, I should have just held my own and kind of worked my way into it. But it kind of pushed me and it got me back into a little bit of a shape. But then um, I went to go visit a friend up in Chicago and she surprised me the day before I was supposed to leave. She was like, hey, I signed us up for a half marathon and this is January in Chicago. I'm like, great. Thanks. Like, this will be this will be fantastic. And what's that? It's like I'm gonna freeze to death out here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna freeze to death. I live in New Orleans now, where it doesn't get above, get below, you know, 40 during the, during the, uh, during the winters. And um, I I look at the, (laughs) I I look at the forecasts, and it calls for like 15 degrees at race time. And of course, it's the F3 Lake Half Marathon, so it's on the Chicago bike path, right next to the lake and it's going to be a lake effect breeze happening next to it so it's going to be like blowing ice at me oh. and I don't have I don't have gloves I don't I don't, have, I don't have arm warmers so I go up there with my racing shorts and my singlet and you know we go out there and it was after this little bit of training and I just went for it I wait a second I'm bringing up my phone right now because I I think I still have a note saved. When I was on the plane, I wrote myself a note with my goal. And I was curious if I could get it. Here it is. I just found it, actually. So, and I'll, I can, oh, yeah. so I'll show you. I, I didn't just type, I didn't just type that note. It's in here. Um. That's cool. This was from January 19th, 2018. It says, Half Marathon, 128 50 half 128 58 jazz half 646 per mile pace. Sub 124 F3 half marathon 626 mile pace. I went up there with that goal. when I crossed that finish line in 12124 and took seven minutes and 34 seconds off my time from October, off a little bit of training that lit my fire
1: damn that number one that's incredible and i'm furious. but number two like (laughs) uh compared to like running in new orleans like obviously you're in chicago it's freezing like air in your lungs like all that stuff like the cold air did that affect you at all did you feel like the the weather was you know i mean obviously not because you still shave seven minutes off your race time but like how did that feel
2: it sucked at the start, yeah. But as soon as I as soon as I ra- was running, and I didn't notice it, I, I honestly didn't. I felt my hands were a little bit cold. I mean, I wish i had gloves, but I don't like to run in arm warmers. I don't like to run in sleeves. Um, now I'll just race in half tights and gloves. It's cold in my singlet, but it, w- it was n- none the worse. I mean, and the wind wasn't that bad. It was a crosswind, so it wasn't like a headwind or you know, which would have sucked going one way and then but well, you would get the tailwind going the other, which would be pretty nice. And hopefully it would be going out, you get the headwind, coming back, you get that luxurious tailwind. Um yeah. but no, no, it felt fine. Like I, I warmed up really quickly and um afterward, once I finished, oh I I got pretty damn cold because you're all sweaty, your yeah. body just wants to do that. So I quickly got into whatever I could find into and I put like on three race shirts. So I was just like, you know what, these are going on.
1: That's fair. Yeah, I assume the adrenaline probably took you for most of that, so that's probably, yeah. Go ahead, Chris.
0: Let's move forward to uh, your Boston Marathon qualifier.
2: All right. Um, That was the grandma's uh, full marathon in June, I believe June 22nd, uh, the day before my birthday. Um, I actually signed up on that on a whim i had no i d- i had no dreams of running a marathon ever um <laughs> but it was in february when um a friend of mine Mita uh she helped she helped co-lead a thing called november project down here and it's like a, a great national free fitness movement that pandemic has kind of slowed it down but there are a lot of at-home workouts and they're we're in like 65 cities now which is awesome uh completely free um but she was like i want to go run a marathon and i was like yeah i'll run a marathon with you too she's well i'm thinking about running this one in june i said let's sign up so i went back home that night i went on the grandma's marathon website i uh, i went to their registration put my credit card info hit submit as soon as i got that confirmation email i said what the fuck am i doing like <laughs> i've never run I've never run more than 16 miles in a training run, even back in college. Yeah, um, I just, you know, almost beat myself into hell trying. To, I, I, I mean, I, I felt no worse for wear after, like immediately when I crossed the finish line of that 120. So immediately after that, you're you you signed up for it. Now you're, yeah. So. You know, as soon as I saw, like I said, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Why the hell did I just sign up for this thing? I've never run more than uh, 16 miles in a training run. And even though I was fired up once I crossed the finish line at a half and, you know, 121, my body was beat to hell. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not, how, how, how am I going to race 26.2? But anyway, I, I signed up and I got the training and. I threw the most haphazard training thing together in my life Uh, because I never ran a marathon. Um, It was in the middle. It was going into the summer months, and and no one's going to be running a marathon, and no one's going to be training through a marathon in the New Orleans heat. Um, I mean, I was trying to this year with Chicago, um, but no one in their right mind trains through the New Orleans heat for a marathon, let's say. Um, So we didn't have something for the – In my training group, we didn't have a marathon group, so I pretty much did my own plan, pieced together a whole bunch of other things I found through different mediums. And I was like, you know what? Let's see what happens. So I got on the start line. I don't have a nifty iPhone uh, note for you guys. I can just tell you that my, my original goal was sub 250. My pie in the sky goal was 245. And being the absolute competitor that I am, I made the 245 my main goal. It wasn't pie in the sky. It was what I wanted to do no matter what. Um, So I got out there, and I just – as soon as I crossed 13 point, crossed the half, I realized the marathon distance and the half-marathon distance were my favorites. Like, fuck everything else, you know, the 5K, 10K, everything I did in college, I now live for the half and the full. It just feels right. It feels like where I should be. It feels like home. Um, but anyway, so um, I I felt in a groove the entire time. And uh, I crossed the finish line at 248.37. It was better than my original A goal, it was still less than my newfound A goal. Um, and while you might say, oh my God, it's such a good time. Oh, it's sub 250 you beat that no i wanted the 245 um Mm -hmm. so i knew there was more out there for me so uh that was originally what qualified me for boston so let's talk
0: about boston now
2: well we can and so between boston and uh grandma's there was the rocket city marathon where i set my current pr of 236 that was in um December, so in six months then i shaved 12 minutes off my marathon pr and that was with an actual structured training plan through my power milers group um
0: so that's but, a 12 minute drop that's a huge huge drop that's uh i mean 245 was that goal for that first one 236 is ridiculous. that's that's I mean, for a lot of places, you're top ten your local marathon, like your local major marathons. Or mm-hmm. um, in some places, you might be even winning it.
2: Yeah, no, I finished. Uh, I think oh, I finished sixth at the the Rocket City Marathon, and that one really, again, that was another one of those marathons where it just felt like home. Like I felt invincible running that thing. Like I, I slowed down a little bit, I think, in mile twenty-two or twenty-three. But I felt invincible. I felt strong. And, you know, afterward, um, the race director came up to me and said, God, your training must have been so, so crazy. Like, all you power mileage are coming across the finish line, just looking incredibly strong, like it was just a walk in the park. And, my God, like, how how do you guys do it and stuff? And I think a lot of credit does go to our coach, Jimmy Smith, who has gotten me through several of these uh, great races, but also the fact that, you know, we work hard, we play hard, we grind hard down here. but I think I got a little cocky. I think I thought the, the marathon was easy. And then to tie to Boston uh, to last year, I guess. Oh shoot, yeah, it would have been last year. Yeah. Um, everything fall, fell apart. And I realized the marathon should not be fucked with. <laughs> I, yeah. I realized that it's important to not um, doubt or to to taunt the marathon because it will bite you.
0: So Larry, I'll take I'll let you take control for a little bit for a little bit of these next like couple minutes and ask some questions about Boston because this Larry's goal, like eventually, is to qualify for Boston himself. So start That's asking. That's
1: awesome. Ask for yeah, what? Okay. Yeah. Because I do have a lot of questions about it. Number one, I guess, like obviously, the experience is a little bit different this year because of virtual and all that stuff. But like being being mm-hmm. like actually at Boston and the crowds and everything, like is it because you've run other marathons? is it different from other marathons? Like, do you feel the weight of like what Boston is compared to other marathons? Like how, how was that experience for you? Yeah, man. Um, I mean, um, I don't know how to put it into words. Yeah. That, I mean,
2: the the grandma's marathon, I, I think it has the most like at three, 4,000 runners. I, I, I don't want to low ball them. Maybe let's say up to 7,000 runners. This yeah. one has. And, you know, you're running through Duluth down to Duluth from from uh, twins two cities or two twin harbors or something like that, uh, and just you'll see people on the side of the road cheering. I mean, it's not anything like a major. And then I run the Rocket City Marathon, and it's you know five thousand people We're running through Huntsville, Alabama, and then my next marathon is Boston. I've never run a major before. Yeah, and you you get there and you feel. Everything. It's from the moment that you get that confirmation email that you're going to be running the Boston Marathon to the minute you get on to the minute you land on the plane, everything you see is Boston, you know, the blue, the yellow Boston strong everything and it just levels with you like this is this is our Super Bowl. This is our World Series as runners and you go to the expo and it all hits you and you get your number and you see other people from other countries and you see all the flags from all the countries that people are going to be running for. And then you realize that all the greatest marathoners in the world have raced here. Um, there are so many competitions. This is the world's old, you know, this is one of the oldest marathons in the world. And they've run the same route each time. So you're following, you're literally following in the footsteps of all these people. And, When you get on that bus and you go out and you wait in Hopkinton and you're just there and it's like, I think the the race doesn't hit you there yet. No, because you're there. You're just in the paddock. You're hanging around. It's at a different time because the race usually starts, what, 11 a.m.? Yeah. So it's like in the middle of the day and you're out there and it's just you're waiting, you're waiting. But the nerves are building up. The nerves are building up because you see everyone in there because you're with 30,000 other people. And you're waiting in line at the porta potties and you're just like trying to get that nervous energy out. And you don't want to burn it off too much because you want it there for the race. And then all of a sudden you hear them call, you know, the waves like wave one. Come on. And you see just people start walking and they just start shedding clothes, throw it into the back of the trucks. And you you don't feel it there. At least I didn't feel it there. Like and you're walking, you're walking and off goes the shirt and you get your singlet and you're just – you're like you have a, about a, a half mile walk down to the start and, and like but you're you tape
0: you don't have like unlike your other races you don't have any place to warm up you're it's a it's a corral down to the
2: start oh wow and you're packed with everyone
1: yeah'
2: all you're just looking around yeah and you're just looking around and it's just and and it still doesn't hit you yet because you're just in the middle of a neighborhood at this time. Like you're just walking down a street with a whole bunch of runners, mind you. But still, it didn't hit. It didn't hit me yet. I don't know, Chris, if it hit you at the stage yet. But as soon as you make the turn and you, and you, then you go down to the porta potties, and then you make another turn, and there it is. Like you see the start. You go into the corral, and then once you wait in the corral before the Boston Marathon, that's when it hit you. You know that from that moment, you have 26.2 miles to go from Hopkinton to Boston, that 30,000 runners times 100 years at least, 300,000 other runners, give or take, had run down that same path that you will. That is pretty fucking cool. All that history hits you at once. And people work there – and you're going to get there, Larry. Yeah. You're going to get – there's no doubt in my mind. You're going to get there sooner than you think. And it's going to hit you that all of your dreams at that moment, that's what you wanted, and you're going to go do it. And then you just go, and, and the gun sounds, and you just go. And as soon as you make that first step on that course, then it hits you. Then you're like, I am running the fucking Boston Marathon. <laughs> oh. and- It's so funny because, like, for
0: me, it was very much like when I signed up, I was like, "Oh, everybody says that should be Boston," and I—I mean, I didn't have a long break that you did. I had maybe a year or two break after college. I was like, "Oh, well." marathon running i had it kind of the same way as you did it was like after i signed up i woke for me i woke up hungover and i was like i signed up for a marathon what the fuck (laughs) and then then i got my qualifier 241 so both of us were in that 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 first section and at that point it was like oh well fuck I, i guess you should do it and uh but the one thing was like going through that with my mom and and uh and Sig, that the guy that I met from Mexico City that I toured through the entire weekend. Uh, funny enough, met, uh, Instagram is crazy. Uh, he said he didn't. He was kind of. He's going blind, and he didn't really know anybody. And it's for some in the states, and he's doing this for his brother. Wow. And we 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 toured him through. I was like, Hey, man, where are you staying at? Somehow staying at the same hotel I was. Like that's amazing. I don't know how that happens? And I was like, dude, we're staying in the same place. I'll come with us. My mom and my brother told me, like, hey, we got a hotel. I didn't even pick the hotel. My mom and my brother picked the hotel. They told me a couple weeks beforehand. I didn't even, like, classic me, I don't plan anything. <laughs> yeah.
2: And,
0: and they got the hotel. And so I just had, by chance, so we were in the same place. And uh, and it really was uh, the experience of, like, the, the seeing everything there. And then, I, I mean, going up to going up to like that corral, I saw my buddy Russell that I haven't seen in years that I ran with against in college. And then I saw some other people and it was like, you know, it, it, you don't once that 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 horn starts for your, your key, it's like we're here. And that first three miles, it's just like everybody's like excited about it. And it's it's different. It's different than anything you ever experienced. It's amazing. And it's like as somebody that, that that thought like marathoning was going to be like, I just do Boston. I'm done with this whole thing. I'm done with this whole like, part of my career. I think I'm done with competitive running. It made me fall in love with it again. It was, it's crazy
1: how that happens. Tyler, I, and, and it's go ahead.
2: I was just gonna, I was just gonna say one thing to Chris's uh, comment about how you know Instagram can make the world seem a lot smaller. Um, when I was when I got into the starting corral, I felt a tap on my shoulder, and uh, it's a guy that I had followed and followed me for a long. Yeah, and, and Chris, you might know him. He's a uh, faster with Julio, yeah. Um, Julio Vela, yeah. He 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 was in corral one, and he tapped me on the shoulder. He was like, "Hey, man!" I was like, "Oh my god! Like <laughs> this is insane, you know?" And, and it, it caught me totally by surprise. But we talked for a little bit, and then the race started. Literally, like two minutes later, <laughs> and then I'm running in the first couple of miles, and I, I just hear, Hey Tyler. And I, I, I don't even know. And it's this, uh, guy named Waldo X 17. So I, like, hey, I ran against him in, in college. Did you? Okay.
0: <laughs> he ran against Wally. He ran for Whittier college in, in California. We're in the same conference. Small world.
2: Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I ran with him for a couple of miles and we just chatted back and forth. And he was just like, I follow you on Instagram. Like, what's your handle? Like, I don't recognize you. And he told me, I'm like, Oh yeah, I've seen you. And, uh, we we keep we keep in touch a little bit, but uh, but yeah. So I just wanted to kind of touch on how small the Instagram world can be, uh, if you want to make it small. Yeah. Um, even sorry about that.
0: The, even I mean,
2: you're you right about that. Even
0: with the running, I, mean, I I wouldn't have realized that you and Waldo know each. So me and Waldo had had beers back when I was in California, and when I go back to visit for like for like Christmas and everything like that, he's very good friends with some of the people that I know. So like I've had beers for people's twenty first birthday or like for their birthdays and like I'm like, what the hell? I was like, Waldo knows how t- how does this happen? And I looked at him, <laughs> oh my God, how did- like it's amazing. And I I I took photos with Waldo and uh Waldo after the actually that marathon, uh, because there was some like weird guys and also like my old teammate from college, Jaden, was actually racing too. <laughs> but like even at, like eight eight miles in, uh Paul Ballmer, he runs for the That's Fine Track Club uh, out in San Francisco. I, I raced against him in college. Um, his senior year would have been my, so- my sophomore and freshman year. And I saw
2: him in this group. And I passed my eight miles. And they kicked my ass up the second half. And they were split around Yeah, they, they me. destroyed me. I have them in a couple of photos with me. Um, but then they mowed me. That water bottle with a giant, like,
0: it would a team. And, like, they, there's a picture, I think, I don't know if it's the Oakland Marathon, but they all finished hand-in-hand. Hand. Damn. Um, they're a very, very good running group. I mean, I think Paul ran sub-15 in college. Like, those guys are legit. I mean, they came, they went out to Boston to have some fun, and they kicked the crap out of people in the second half.
1: Tyler, Hashtag I, track club goals. I did want to throw in that uh, the way that you described the Boston Marathon – the experience and everything i just want you to tell me a bed night, bedtime story every night for the rest of my life because i feel like that was just like it's like set the scene perfectly i was like man i'm I'm there like i'm already there guys uh, so no i got you i got you and
0: okay. unfortunately you. let's talk about the transition because uh let's talk about nightmares for boston because you've talked about it a lot on your instagram let's talk about the boss like the the other side of what boston feels like because i felt it too
2: um, as, as amazing as the highest of highs, you can feel the lowest of lows, especially if you're not used to training Hills. Um, I did a workout. Um, what was, I forget what the workout I did was, it was, Oh, it was a cut down run. Um, you know, where we get down to like, um, marathon pace minus 40 seconds in the last mile. And I did this, um, and that's over, I think a 20 mile long run. And I did this on a hill route that I frequented for my training this year for Boston. Um, And I hit that. I smoked that workout. I was like, oh, yeah, bring on those Newton Hills. I'm going to knock the fuck out of them. And I went through half feeling great. I mean, and I went, yeah, this is amazing. Oh, my God, these hills have nothing. I, I did the Folsom Road. I mean, what are these Newton Hills all about? Yeah, those were famous last words because as soon as I got into those, they knocked the shit out of me. Um, I just struggled and I was almost brought to a walk. I fell off pace horribly and by mile 21, I was broken. I had doubted myself. I thought about dropping. I kept pushing because I my family had flown in from Delaware, drove up from Delaware. My entire family, my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother-in-law, and her two kids, um all came up to come watch me run. You know, and, and in a marathon, you don't it's not like track. You can't see them multiple times. They saw me one time the entire race. And they said I looked so good, but this was right around I think about two miles left, and what resonates with me in terms of nightmare, I I thought it as a nightmare before, but now I see it as a learning lesson. I see it as a sense of pride for my future. Um, Chris, you you know what I'm talking about, and Larry, you've probably seen photos. Um, The Sitco sign. With one mile to go it is the mm-hmm. iconic where people look strong they look r- big in front of i mean you have a mile to go in the boston marathon oh, yeah. you're ready to crush it yeah you're you're ready to smash a huge you know and, and some of it's, it's mostly downhill minus the the underground the under uh the tunnel you got to go under on commonwealth everyone looks strong the photo they got it i'm walking i'm walking at mile 25 of the boston marathon in front of the Sitco sign and That, Like I said, it it was a nightmare to see at first, but it's been a sense of determination and pride that I do not want that ever to happen again. I want to train myself to where that won't happen again in any race. And it was not only in running, but in life. Like, I just can't let that feeling ever happen again. Because as great as I felt going into it, that sucked everything out of me. Um, And I mean, I had goals of uh, I shouldn't have shot for it, but I had goals of a sub two thirty in Boston that year. Um, same- I would have, yeah, I would have been content. My my teammate who I trained alongside most of the, my training cycle, I believe he went two thirty four, two thirty two. That would have been fine for me if I just kept pace with him and didn't. At the start, I got it in my mind that I was going for that sub two thirty, so I got on pace and went for it. That's probably also the reason why I cratered in that second half. Um, But I just wasn't hill ready. And I was a mental midget that day. And it just, the race bodied me. And the marathon taught me the lesson that day that you cannot take it for granted that no matter how great you think it is, how great I thought I was after grandma's marathon, and no matter how strong I felt after the Rocket City Marathon, 26.2 miles is going to humble you at some point that was when it got me oh
0: yeah and i mean i mean with that it's like it's not only i mean there's three hills that people train for but nobody trains for the 10 miles of downhill that take a strain on your calves and take a strain on your hamstrings because that's what up. oh yeah i mean if you did three three big hills like that at mile three it wouldn't be an issue the fact that it's like you have 13 miles of a big like downhill and then you have that mile like really steep downhill at 14 even though it's like only maybe 200 meters by like 200, maybe 400 meters, it kills you. And it's a very, very different thing. And it's like, that's one thing they don't teach you as a runner is being able to like, and me and me and Larry, I mean, sorry, I have to throw my formula one plug in here, but like, we don't, we don't ever talk about like as runners being able to like maintain depending on the course. Yeah. And we just say, we're just be consistent, but there's no consistent, but we also like, I mean you as a D one runner and like when I went to D two it was very different because the courses tend to be pretty flat. There's not really much like I mean now like with people going running at Wisconsin, running at Louisville, things like that, cross country and even in track, there's not really any kind of like variables to it. It's like you don't you don't train your body to be able to adjust the elements of the going uphill going and downhill. You hope for a fast race, you hope for a very flat course. So what happens is like you have these forces that are not like that you have to adjust accordingly you have to adjust accordingly the elevation gain and drop and as me i mean that was your third marathon it was my second marathon and like we're very new to this we're very new to these events and it's like we come into this and it's like puffing our chest out we're ready to take this on and you know i'd rather take it now than take it later it's really nice to have that, like, that humbling experience. Because also, I think if our marathons went perfectly and we both hit stuff two thirty in that that let's run thread, I don't know if I would have been
2: as excited about racing still. No. What What's the joy in accomplishing your goals on the third try or the second try? I mean, part of the grind is trying to get it done, get it right. And and Mike Tyson said it best. You know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> and that day just definitely, you know, punched me in the mouth. And, um, it definitely made me humble. And I think also on these tougher courses, these hillier courses, as much as we try to want to maintain a split and it's all about splits as runners. Um, one thing I'm learning after coming back from my injury is that it's consistent effort that gets you a lot further in, in training and, I think in Boston, if I had, I would do a lot of things differently. Um, But one of the biggest things during the race, at least, was that I should have maintained a consistent effort um, as soon as I hit those Newton Hills. Like I trained at a, forget what pace, I think it was like a 545 marathon, 550, something like that, um, pace for for the marathon, and... I felt comfortable at six flats, like six flat was my, my tempo pace. Like I felt, or it was like my aerobic pace. I felt fine there. I could mow runs through that without a moment's notice. And I felt like if I could go back, that is what a strong effort through the Hills would feel like Um, to, to take that drop back to, to not try to be so focused on splits because I tried to focus on splits going through the Newton Hills yeah. And that's what gets you. Like, you you can't run 545 effort through the hills because that's going to be like you're trying to run a 530. Um, and cons- just your body's not ready for it. It's all conservation because then you have
0: another six miles of downhill. So, like, you slow it down for a little bit, conserve those tires a little bit, and then you're able to throw in that soft tire strategy and just like fucking run hard those last six miles yep. because you've conserved that. Because it ends up being like, yeah, it, it's the hardest thing because, like, and it's the same thing with cross country, like, they teach you not to sprint every hill. It's just like, it's maintained, it's maintained, it's maintained. And then you cover the top of that hill. You you get those three quick steps up the top of the hill and let's get back onto it. And it's close hard.
1: I think I'm mostly excited. I was
2: wondering when you were going to throw that uh, F1 reference in, Chris. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, I think I'm mostly excited for Boston. Not, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's Boston, but um, I, I, and I think I've mentioned this on the pod before, but I think once I get there, like, that's kind of it. You know what I mean? Like, I quit after Boston, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> um, and that's going to be my last marathon, and I'm not really going to care about pacing your time or anything like that. I'm just going to do it and get the medal. Because
0: I said the same thing when uh, I did
1: Boston. Chris, that was, your second, yeah, no, that was your second or third marathon. Like, come on. No, no. Like, this isn't a thing that I was interested in at all. I'm interested. I want to do it. I'm just saying, like. This is my swan song. Like I want to be done with this.
0: <laughs> no, the high of the crowds. You don't. You don't. You don't really. It's addicting. The crowds of like for 26 miles, you have a
1: crowd cheering you on. Can we even have that anymore, Chris? I feel like in 2020 and in 2021, we're not allowed. So. We'll get. We'll get there. We have vir- We we have virtual crowds now, guys. Come virtual on now. Virtual crowds. Yeah, you're right. Kind of like the uh, cardboard cutouts they have at the baseball stadiums. So I'd...
0: Hey, WWE, WWE has an entire crowd stadium
1: that they actually can, like, cheer people on. Well, wait, WWE's stadium, like, crowd has always been fake, hasn't it? So, <laughs> they, they've been well-versed in this for years.
0: No, no, they actually have
1: video, like, no,
2: for, like, every seat has their own, like, little I person. Know. On. Know. We, we, won't, we won't get into what people have been showing on those screens. Yeah, yeah we, don't so we don't want to talk about that. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. We, so...
0: Uh, following Boston, uh, you had a pretty, pretty great year coming out of that. Like you were able to take a, a pretty rough Boston experience and, uh, just from seeing you both on Let's Run on Evening and on Instagram too, um, some big, big breakthroughs. Um, so talk about that. Let's talk about your half marathon.
2: Um, you know, that kind of started coming back from an injury. Um, I, I pulled my hamstring really, really bad playing disc golf of all things. Um, it was actually, I actually pulled it when I went to go take a picture for Instagram. Um, I finished (laughs) my round and I went back out and I wanted to, you know, show people what I was doing that day because I love trying new things. I love disc golf and I went to go through a, throw a drive. I twisted my ankle and my hamstring popped. And so I was out for – this all happened with – I was like, this is not good. And so I was nursing a hamst- that, that horrible hamstring injury for about two months. That was from uh, July until I think early September. And then early September, I got with my coach, Jimmy, and my plan was to hit a big half at the San Antonio race. And throughout that process, we slowly started working myself back. And the first race I ran was the uh, the Turkey Day race down here in New Orleans on Thanksgiving. And he told me to go out, run it as hard as I could, and then I had a workout after that. So I went out, I ran 25-23 for that five-miler. And after that, I had a 4 by 800 workout to do uh, with 200 recovery. <laughs> Um immediately following. He's told me stay warm. It's just an intermission. Go out to the track, which is right next door to the finish and go do this workout. So I did. That felt good. A couple weeks later, I ran the Cajun Cup 10K. Um that's when I went 3231. Um that my my collegiate PR on the track was 3206. So for me to run 3231 and be just 25 seconds off my collegiate PR. Um, 12 years later, after an eight year break, I think that was another one of my big breakthroughs. And then not too long after that, I went to uh, San Antonio, started the race next, right next to Molly Seidel. I had no idea until I saw the, um, until I saw my pictures after the race, like months later. And I'm in the presence of a goat. I didn't know about it. Um, I trained pretty well. I I, I went there. I was not ready. The Hills kind of got me there. I also had to take a piss break at mile three. That that awesome. took 30, uh, thirty thirty seconds to forty-five seconds or even a minute trying to fight those bathrooms. Um and I grind, I, I kinda faded on the last five K. That was a lesson I learned. I ran one eleven forty-four there. So that was a um that was if we're going back. Yeah, so that was in December, that was with the piss break. Um Way between there in my lead up to the Rocket City Marathon, I ran a one fourteen forty fifty seven. So, so I shaved off seven minutes of my um, half marathon PR from January to October of twenty eighteen, and then I didn't run another competitive half until I ran um, the the San Antonio. So I went one fourteen fifty seven to one one eleven forty four. And if you're counting at home, going way back to the start of this podcast, when I ran my first 10K, it was 42.07, and I went down to 32.31 in a a couple years with consistent training, dedication, and that's the competitive nature that I have. I just want to see how fast I can get. And then now I think we're talking about the half that you're talking about, Chris. Um, When I was – it was the the local rock and roll half marathon here. um, My goal was to go sub 111. I wanted that to be able to qualify for the American development program at the Chicago marathon. Um, and this was also part of the, a new initiative that the, the rock and roll series wanted to do. It was for like the American uh, development team thing. I forget what it was called, but they flew in a couple teams to race. Uh, it was a four team race. So we went up against uh, the hardworking track club, uh, the Boulder track club and somebody else. We finished uh, third, but um, but I had a goal to go sub 111 there, and that was a day where everything clicked. This is actually a post I'm going to be putting out on. Uh, you know, we're talking about this on Thursday. I'm, I have a post scheduled to go out tomorrow about this, um, kind of recapping a, a PR there. I ended up ended up running 109.32. Um, so, and I still have a lot of room to grow, but that really even more fueled my fire. And that gave me so much confidence going to Boston and then I got hurt. And I guess if it was if I was going to get hurt, it, it this is a great time to have that happen.
1: It's just infuriating. One oh nine for a half marathon. I'm going for one thirty five. I just I ask <laughs> this a lot of times when we do the elite files, but why are we doing this, Chris? Why I <laughs>
0: <laughs> also like consider that like top there there's still talent to it, so like Oh yeah. Tyler you ran for a D1 school, whether you walked on or not, like you still have enough talent to be on the team like there. So like talent, especially if you're still exercising, you're still putting in that like talent doesn't necessarily go away, but you being able to tap into talent, take especially after a long hiatus takes a ton of work. Like, it's still there, but it takes a ton of work after a long hiatus like this. And that's really like one thing that I've seen. It's, I mean, we've seen people that are talented that don't ever take the potential uh, because they're just lazy. Um, And then you add on top of it just like a different kind of like exercising routine. And it's really cool to see that. It's like you're a talented athlete, but this wouldn't happen if you hadn't had yourself hard to do it. Like you you couldn't half-ass it. I mean, you even talk about it early on. You just doing a couple runs a week. You got to 42. You getting consistent to it. It took a couple years to get back at it. Mm. Like it's not a thing where it's like, oh well, next year I just ran 69. It just didn't happen like that. It took a couple (laughs) years of just running (laughs) pretty. It took a couple years to do it. It's just uh, it is it is something that like it's a combination of like it's hard work and consistency. And regardless of what, who you are or what you are like, what talent level you're at, this isn't, and it's the same thing that you're talking about with weightlifting. This isn't a thing where like you can just half-ass, especially at the next level, especially if you're trying to get mm-hmm. higher, you're trying to get lower time. It's like, it doesn't work that way. Uh, Logan's not understanding that as it's run more and more, it's, it's, it's stacking them on, stacking them on and doing it right. So-
2: It's building you know, a chain.
0: Yeah. What is 69
1: minutes in uh, in terms of like actual pace?
2: Five uh, that, uh Yeah, five, five 18 was my overall pacing for that day. Jesus.
1: Yeah. <laughs> good, good. I mean,
0: considering that 42 is 21 flat, so it's like 650 a mile. Um, that's that's me. <laughs> that's be... it's, But that's like, that's coming a couple of years for the first time. Running 42 minutes, it's about it's about 650. Or six forty-eight, and you're going down to five eighteen for a ten for for a, for a half marathon. That's that's amazing. Um, now, we what let's and you know honestly, I think at this point, uh, considering like I think we gotten into a, a lot of good topic. If if you're cool with this, I'd love to have you back on it because I kind of want to go into a little bit deeper on the second half of this. I think there's a lot to talk about with, in regards to like what happened after. And I think that's really yeah. where like, if, if you're cool with having another, another podcast with us for next week, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, because I think there's a lot of things that, that you can provide a lot of like really good, uh, insight into somebody that's completely, like, I mean, tearing something and coming back from it is very, very different. So I think it's a lot of, for sure. of content that I think we can we can really dig into and even ask, get some questions involved about coming back from this. Uh, oh,
2: so, I'm, I'm down.
0: Awesome. So I think we'll cut it for right now. Uh, Larry, we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll do this, right. uh, we'll, we'll cut from there. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I really appreciate you being on this one for this first half. We're gonna have you back for the second half. Uh, uh, you could follow me at Beers and Miles, uh, You can follow the Beers and Miles podcast on uh, Spotify, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Anchor, anywhere you can find a podcast on. So Larry, where can we find you
1: at? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Fadeley underscore. That's F S and Frank, A-D as and dog, E-L-E-Y underscore. You can find me on Twitter at Fadeley, no underscore. Um, you can find Find me on email if you guys want to send us questions for the podcast. Find me at questions the number four that is the number four, not spelled out four. Uh, questions for Larry at gmail And you could also probably find my vehicle if you look around Columbus often enough because it is my last name on my license plate. Go ahead, Tyler. Where can we find you, bud? Um, at on
2: Instagram, uh, at Instagram. Yes, that's me. No, um, <laughs> He's on Instagram. I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of a big deal. Um, on Instagram, you can find me at Tyler T Y L E R underscore runs underscore lifts. Awesome.
0: And uh, yeah, uh, we're gonna have a new episode up that we're gonna be recording next week. So if you guys enjoyed this and you guys have some questions, we're gonna be talking in this next episode about a big setback and coming back from it. And new levels following the setback. so this is going to be a very much and i think on both of our sides we kind of got into our 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 running our marathon lives kind of follow very parallel lifestyle because we (laughs) we both were going to run boston we're both going to run chicago both american development program we both got here right around the same time so this is gonna be i think next next episode is gonna be really great to be able to get some insight of like the other side of things And so if you guys have any questions, send it to questions at number four, Larry at gmail.com. Otherwise, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks, guys.